morning, Sean. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Zane. How are you? It's great to see you this morning. Oh, it's great to see you. Thanks for having me here. Uh, it's nice and quiet over here in your brand new shop. Uh, well, not brand new because I mean, like I, I remember coming here when I was a kid because my dad used to have uh, a plumbing business. So it's kind of nostalgic to be here actually. And then to actually set foot in this nicely renovated facility you have here, it's, it's quite impressive. So congratulations. Yeah, thanks. We turned the, uh, the old Leduc sheet metal a couple of bays down in the same building we used to be in, but now we're in the north side of the building. Um, yeah, it's a nice change. We got uh, we got a lot of uh, good lighting in here, um, good air conditioning, lots of room to work. Everybody seems to be pretty happy. So, what are you doing here, Sean? Are you trying to expand an empire? Like, what, are you taking over Leduc? What's the plan? No, we're just trying to make a little bit of. <laughs> you know what? Actually, this move was more about comfort. You know, we've worked in a small place. We were busting at the seams. Everybody was on top of each other. Um, this was about giving everybody a, a comfortable place to work. Um, with lots of room um, and giving us the ability to expand in our production areas. And uh, yeah, and we still have that bay down there if we want to do production in it or I might lease it out. I haven't decided, but we're uh, we're just kind of playing it day by day. That's great. So you got lots of plans going then. And we talked just off air here about how, um, you know, you're pretty lucky compared to some people uh, over the last couple of years who have struggled, you know, you've, you've come out on top and that's really good for you. Congratulations. Um, how, can you give some insight as to kind of how you, you kind of, uh, were able to get to this point now where you can scale a bit? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, you know, we went through COVID, you know, we did like everybody had to do. We, we, we all made a decision who was staying and who was going to go and most people stayed. So, uh, so we had, uh, we had to make some money doing other things to, to keep our business moving in the right direction. So we went to, to production and manufacturing and sewing and uh, when the times are slower, but we also had a lot of customers that supported us and, uh, and gave us orders and, and kept us moving in the right direction so that we could, uh, we could keep going. And uh, yeah, we, and we, you know, I think coming out the other end of COVID, I think we probably broke even um, without losing too much of our, our money that we always had in the bank to keep, uh, keep the business secure. So, so yeah, so we came out the other end and I think we're doing okay. And now we're really thriving, um, in our industry. I think there's been a lot of people that have, uh, closed up or gone away or moved away or, and there seems to be a lot of opportunity. So we're, uh, we're trying to make the best of everything. So, so what are some of the m most popular markets that you target? Uh, you make a lot of, uh, clothes and embroidery for, for various industries. What are, what are the most popular ones that you and Alice usually uh, work with? Well, we have always been a diversified company. So, so rather than just focusing in on those big guys in the oil patch that are in our area, we've always worked with those guys, but schools, hockey, um, you know, truck driving companies, uh, the airport hospitals, we do a big online store business for custom. Um, we've really expanded that with Morgan running that and, uh, you know, we, we've tried to hit different avenues and think differently. So, so example, where most people in my industry right now, because of COVID, think that, hey, let's all shut our showrooms and work out of our houses and, and just send people quotes over email. We've kept our showroom open and we've actually expanded the showroom so people can come here and, and touch and feel goods and also learn about different types of branding. And they can also come around and see what we do and, uh, you know, and, and, and on site, you know, you get a real perspective on, on what you can do and what your options are, which helps our customers make better decisions, I think.
So how do you approach um, people that come through your door then, um, tying into our, our main topic of the day here, uh, to, to build a very loyal customer base? Because you don't just open a door and say, hey, we're best friends now. You need to kind of build up that reputation, build up that relationship before you earn that trust and start making a profit. Yeah, you know what? We're in the relationship business, right? When a customer comes through the door, often over the years they've been referred to us by, by word of mouth. So from another customer that's been happy with us or, or they've seen somebody at the rec center that had our stuff. Um, so, so by referrals, we've always been able to keep a solid customer base and also um, generally build a little, little bit better relationship, a little quicker and easier. Um, but, but, we're, but we're very driven on results so, and, and, and having a good relationship. So, so when a person comes through our door, we're not trying to sell you 500 or something. We're trying to sell you what you need. Like, um, like I'd rather see you five times a year than see my customers one time a year and they got too much stuff and then they come back a year later and they're going, hey man, I bought all this stuff, but you know, it's not working out. So, so we try to give them smaller amounts, um, get them going, work with them kind of with a personalized service. Yeah, and, and try to build a business with them that because uh, their success is really our success also. That's interesting. So um, without giving too much away all of Sean's secrets here, because, you know, like, you know, we don't, you don't want to give away every piece of your recipes of success here. But at the same time, we want to have you on this podcast to, you know, give insight to people that are, you know, either starting a business or, or trying to expand their clientele. So whatever people can gather from this, um, Sean wants to come on here and, and relay that to you monthly or weekly whenever he decides to. And, and you take of it as you will, right, Sean? Yeah, like, I'm, hey, listen, I'm, I'm pleased to be, be on your podcast and working with you. Um, I, I guess in, in, in my world, like, uh, when a customer comes through the door, um, we are working with that customer kind of like we're in their business, right? Like, like it's all about their, them being successful. And when they're our customer, our knowledge comes with that service. So, so when you come through the door and you don't know what you're doing or you have some ideas, but you're not sure what to do, or if I have some experiences with other companies that didn't work or did work, um, we're more than happy to pass on what we've learned over time to help you make the right decisions for your business so you're not wasting any money or any you know, any, any ideas, like, like it's really important that when you spend money in promotional dollars, um, it's used properly. So you get the best bang for your buck. And that's what we're here for because, because you can't afford to waste money and we don't want you wasting money. So as a business owner, how important is research when it comes to your clients? Like say you have a, a hockey team that comes in uh, from a Duke minor hockey who need a bunch of uh, jerseys or something like you mentioned, the oil patch. Does it really help to know the industry that you're getting into first before you help them? The, the industry, are you talking about the industry in which they work or are you talking about the industry which I am in? I would say the industry in which they work. Okay, well, example. So say you got a hockey team, right? Um, the age of your kids might play a big, um, a big part in how much money you budget to do hockey jerseys. Because if you have a bunch of midget kids, well, they're more driven on looking like an NHL player than maybe a bunch of first-year kids. So where you can make a hockey jersey for 45 bucks to 55 bucks for a small, 
small group of young kids in U7, well, those midget kids might cost you 90 to $150 for a jersey, depending on how you want to decorate it, right? So your budgets could grow as your kids get older. Um, but, you know, you just got to, you know, you'll, what we sell is mostly fashion and trends and, hey, what's out on the street? Like, what have you seen? What's going on? You know, what are the people wearing in the offices? Companies like StormTech and Alpha Broder. Um, these guys are all trend-setting companies that look at what's in for fashion, and then they try to deliver that to companies that their people will want to wear. Because you really want to give people what they want to wear. Um, when we work towards dealing with uh, an industry, obviously in the oil patch, you know, fire retardant products are very big. So we're selling gloves, coveralls, um, shirts and pants and stuff. Um, and comfort for those guys is a big thing, right? Like a lot of guys get hot. They don't want a hot pair of coveralls. They want something that's going to be comfortable. So they're working on a 35 degree day. You know, they want to be able to make sure that thing is worn properly. Their body's covered. But if they're hot, some of those guys are starting to open up the coveralls, not wearing a shirt underneath. And that's problems for the safety factors. So, so when we talk to people, we try to make sure that uh, they understand the importance of wearing garments properly. Um, and we try to find them garments that are going to be really good for what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. And also longevity, like when we put logos onto coveralls or, or branding hats or gloves or whatever, we're trying to pick products that are going to be durable, depending on what people are doing. Like hockey's very durable on product. So we try to make sure that we're selling products that maybe are more durable. So that's where maybe embroidery into a garment might be more durable than a heat press product. But on the other hand that we're here, we can also service and repair, sew um, any products that we sell. So we have the ability to do that. What, what's the one of the most common um, pieces of fabric that you work with essentially? Well, you know, if we're working in the coverall industry, we're working with FR products like Endura, Nomex, um, Fire Zero products. Uh, you know, we're working hockey. We're working with uh, polyesters that are in hockey jerseys. Um, you know, when we're selling to companies, we might be selling them golf shirts that are polyester, moisture-wicking materials. You know, when we do basketball jerseys, we might sell polyester, but it might be a different weight than what a hockey jersey would be. It's like we see... We see issues sometimes where people will go and buy sports jerseys in China or Indonesia or or India, and they think they're buying a really great deal. But when the product gets to them in Leduc, Alberta, the product might be a hockey jersey material that a company has sewn into a basketball jersey, and now you got a bunch of kids that have got a way too hot of a heavy basketball jersey and they're going hey man we we don't like these things but the problem is is that everything when you look at it online looks the same by a picture so you got to be able to touch and feel stuff so that's why this showroom is kind of very important to us so so that people could come in here touch and feel fabric um, look at the logoing options that they have on products and then get a really good feel for what they're trying to do because because sometimes we find that people have budgets like if you're a a marketing manager and you've got a budget of $20,000 or $5,000, you're spending somebody else's money and you want to make sure that your purchase is good because you got to make a lot of people happy often. So, so putting some time and effort into what you're buying 
can really pay off on, on how people perceive your purchases and wearing the product that you bought for branding. So, so we try to make sure you look good. Very important. So you mentioned the touch and feel. That's a, a great point to bring up. I know you talked to me about how you want to create a bit of an experience when people walk through this door. Um, can you kind of articulate maybe some of your ideas and maybe how you think you can create an intimate experience uh, for someone who wants to just literally walk into a physical location, contrary to some of the popular things we're seeing now with uh, with AI, VI experiences and people that want to essentially shop digitally? Yeah, yeah, great, great question. Like, like everything's going, like everybody talks about, yeah, online, online. Hey, and listen, online's awesome. You know, we, we do online ourselves, right? Um, our online, though, is, hey, you know what? If you're in minor hockey and your mom wants to get a hoodie, hey, you can go online for Leduc Roughnecks or Okanagan Hockey, and your mom can buy one hoodie branded the way she likes it, and you don't have to buy a whole team purchase of 20 hoodies to get one piece. So, so our online stores open up the ability for you to do a team um, purchasing program that doesn't mean you got to buy a ton. Um, now, when we compare us to say an online experience of purchasing stuff online, well, um, when you walk through the door and you can see and touch and feel stuff, I think it's pretty important these days. Like, like I used to walk through a store and every piece of product I would look at, I would touch. I, I had to get the feel, the consistency, the softness um, of how a fabric or even a shoe felt. Like I used to be in the shoe business and, and uh, I used to work with Thomas Bata, biggest shoe distribution guy in the world. And, and we were in Kingsway Garden Mall one day and, we were, and I was showing him around Alberta and, 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 he, and he used to manufacture all the shoes for the Bay and Sears in India. So, so what he did was he picked up a sandal and to test the viscosity of a sole he took a bite out of the sole of a sandal and I was just like what are you doing he said well I'm testing the sole to see if the manufacturing is is correct on the on the viscosity of the foam so anyway so we so so I think that when you when you look at products you have to be able to look at them closely and touch and feel because uh you know a black jacket online is a black jacket there's no way to tell really the weight, the the feel of the fabrics, um, how does it fit. You know, it's very important when you're spending, some people come in here and they spend $25,000 on jackets. You don't buy $25,000 of the jackets, I don't think, without trying a few of them on first and getting an exact feel for what you're doing before you make that purchase. Very important. It's really interesting how you explain that because you take something like the touch and feel experience and how to measure the quality of a product uh, as simple as, as, as retail. And you turn that into like an art. So yeah. There's definitely art coming into that. Yeah. Like when you look at a piece of product on a shelf, when you look at a pair of a Nike shoes sitting on a shelf or, uh, or a Helly Hansen jacket, the, uh, the work that went into creating that piece of product, like that Nike shoe, you know, sure they're, they're mass produced in, in wherever they are in the world, but somebody somewhere had to put the technology into that product when it was made, and and, and the ideas came up from people that are very tech, technological, and they had to create those products. So, so when you come into a place like ours, like a company like Stormtech who makes waterproof, breathable products, they make uh, fashion-forward products, they make a lot of colors. My opinion, Stormtech may be the 
the best jacket manufacturer in the world right now. Um, you know, and they're, they're out of Vancouver. Um, they're in probably five or six countries now, but, uh, but a great company, um, to buy product from, but to see and touch and feel their products and see some of them, you know, they're, they're just, they're that good. Right. Like, uh, what's happened over the years, like, like a lot of bigger companies, because what's happening out there on the street is you're, you as a, a customer are losing, um, the opera, the, the amount of places that you can choose to shop for products. So when you go to purchase a Columbia jacket or a Heli Hansen or a North face, what's happened is all those companies have been bought up by two or three big guys. And what's happening is everything's getting controlled and you're getting less and less chances of where you can buy products and at what prices. And eventually the, the competition in the, the retail world and, and a lot of our places where we shop is probably going to be gone. Like we're going to have big boxes and they're all going to be owned by one or two companies. And eventually we're going to be buying from the same guys everywhere we go. And the consumer, I think is going to have to pay for that because there's going to be no competition. So, so I always get a little nervous about how brands are getting, you know, the, the creativity, like Columbia is a perfect brand where they got into sport check. And I think they took away, I think a lot of their technical products, put the brand onto a lot of average products and they sell it for less, but the product just isn't quite as good, but it has a brand, which, so the customer gets a good brand, but, and they get a good price by the way, but they don't get quite the technical product that they used to get. And you're sacrificing half of the experience. Like you don't get to talk to Sean O'Grasic. Yeah. You don't get to come in here and talk to, to, to Alice or Morgan or me or Jess, you know what? It's uh shopping. Like when I, I, I like, I still like to shop. So when I go to uh like, I get the online thing. Like I say, we do the online thing. I just, uh, I just think when you're a purchaser, uh, or a hockey mom that's running the, the hockey jerseys for the team. You need to be able to make sure that you're making the right decisions and you need to have uh, people that are going to help you make the right decisions because, uh, because there's so much that can go wrong. And what happens is, is that then you're the one holding the bag. So we try to make sure that people that come here, you're, you're part of us and you reflect on us, you choose us. We're going to make sure you look good. So when you talk about, uh, about the local feel I, I'm getting here is a local business, uh, s- small business, like that's, that's important. That's essential. People, people resonate with that. And then you think about the community in which you're in, how important is it to connect that community to help shape your identity as a business? Okay. So, so, uh, you're, you're putting me into, you're sending me into a direction that, uh, that I have a perspective on that, uh, you know, and, and I'm going to try to explain this without, getting anybody too too upset but but the whole buy local thing right like I talk like I talk to guys that are in Edmonton and they're like buy local buy local right and I have people in Leduc that say buy local buy local well well really the Edmonton guy for me is 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 the big competitor I have a store in Edmonton also right um I I think buy local is a great term and we want our customers to come and buy local but we want our customers to buy in places that they feel comfortable with and, and buy in places where the pricing's right, the, the service is good, um, they work hard for their business, and they don't let you down. So, so I think that every piece of business you get has to be earned. Like, 
Like, I don't want a guy coming to buy from me because he feels sorry for me. I want a guy to come here to buy that, that's, that's heard that our business is good. People have had good results here. Um, they want to go to a place that they can uh, feel comfortable that they're not going to get let, let down in, right? So buy local is awesome, but, but I really think that, uh, like, like what I can say about my business is, is that we become one of the premier embroidery businesses in Western Canada, and we're in Leduc, Alberta, and we're in South Edmonton. Um, you know, and we want to give that service to the people in our area. Like, um, and why some people don't shop from us? Hey, I don't understand. We don't try to figure, like we try to look at it. We go, hey, why, why would that guy not buy here? You know what? You never know what's going on. He could know somebody in Vancouver, you know, our local city of Leduc, you know, hey, some, some stuff they buy in Vancouver and then some stuff they buy here. Why they don't buy it all from guys in Leduc, you never know. Could be a hundred different reasons. Don't, and you know what? To be honest with you, I don't even try to figure it out anymore. I just be happy with what we get and we try to get more. And, and, and that's the excitement of business. We want to do as much as we can but we want to earn your business. And I think if you come, we're going to make you happy because if we have a problem, we try to make sure that people are happy. We try to fix it or whatever. I'm not going to say the problems ever happen, but problems are an opportunity to win a customer forever. It's how you handle the problems that make you different. I guess too, when you look at it that way, there's 7 billion people on the planet doesn't mean you're going to have 7 billion customers. You just have to no. connect with a, 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 just a small fraction of that just, just to be successful, right? So you don't, you're not going to appeal to everybody. Yeah, well said. Like, I don't need 10,000 customers. I need 500 really good customers. That's what I need. And by the way, those 500 guys, to me, are my best friends. Like, like my customers are my friends, generally. We, we, you know, we get to know them over the years. They, they become really good friends, a lot of them, um, because we do events, we sponsor stuff, we try to work together, um, you know, and they become friends, right? So so that's what's great about doing business in Leduc is it's, it's still got a small town feel. Um, and you see the people that you know on the streets. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it, this is a big relationship business, just like most people's businesses are. It's relationship driven. Yeah, that's a, a good point to bring up. Um, so when somebody walks through your door, you haven't seen them before, essentially. They're like an entirely new potential client for you. They don't have a clue what they want. Like, not a clue. They, ha they see all these clothes, but they don't necessarily know what they want. And you don't necessarily know uh, what, what area they're located in yet. Like, whether they're um, part of a hockey team, whether they're part of another business that need a, a clothing line. How do you gauge their interest? How do you dig deep to find out what they want, even uh, design-wise? Okay, so back in the day, which you take me back to a lot of great times I had, I was, I was lucky to have a, a super smart, university-educated guy teach me back in the sports shoe industry um, on how to make a sale. And, uh, and then I got into training um, staff all across Alberta on how, how salesmanship worked. And, and really, it goes back to really, you can do five steps or seven steps to sale, but when somebody comes through your door, it's about saying hi to them and letting them know you're there. Um, and then it's, then it's about uh, open-ended questions. Who, what, where, when, why, how? So what brings you by? You know, how many, how many people do you have in your staff? What budgets do you have? 
know, what colors are you looking for? How many, how, when do you need your order by? How do you want to decorate it? Have you seen anything out there that you like? So, so you try to use open-ended questions to talk to the customer to learn what they're really looking for. Because when you walk through a door, I might have a thousand black jackets you could choose from. What I have to do in, in literally five minutes or three minutes or two minutes is narrow that 5,000 piece opportunity down to, hey, can I show you three jackets that I think are going to be best for you? And by the way, I might hit a bullseye right off the bat, or we might not. I might have a sample in the showroom. I might not. But the idea is I'm going to listen to you. Um, we try to figure out what you want and then try to make the best possible decision for what you might require. And that's kind of how you do sales. So, and by the way, when I'm talking about jackets, I might find out that you, you're looking for cups or I might find out that you got a hockey team that you're sponsoring. You might do jerseys. You know, so, so what we're trying to find out is by using open-ended questions in that sales process is, hey, where can we help you today and how can we help you down the road? You might need hats for your, your guys. You got a conference coming up and you're, you're doing something in January. So now I'm looking to, to also show you some product that maybe you look at in the new year um, to get to your conference for your guys. And I'm trying to help you plan for your future business, right? So... So by getting to know you, I get to, to get to know a little bit more about you and show you what we do. Um, and really, when you get into my business, it's really, it's really reciprocal because I see the same people at the same times a year, every year, almost within five or four days. You know, the hockey guys start coming in on September 22nd. The, the, the club hockey guys start showing up in June. You know, the oil patch guys, they get their new budgets in the new year. You know, so we, we see all these people, you know, their budgets start to dry up at this month. So they want to, you know, buy some stuff and use up the rest of their budgets. So, you know, so it's all, you know, we see the same guys at the same times. You know, it's, it's actually really cool that way, right? And I might not see a guy for 285 days. And all of a sudden he shows up again at the same time every year. Pick up where you left off. It's like a goose going south or north, right? They're right <laughs> on the day almost. So anyway, it's uh, that's what's really good about my business is once we we get a customer that can work with us and trust us to get his job done, then then why would he go anywhere else? It's it's very easy for him, right? So it's yeah, it's good. So in a way, your process is kind of like a, a mutated version of an interview, essentially, like we're doing right now when they walk into the door, like a who, what, where, why, when, how. You know, you gotta you gotta yeah. a- ask the tough questions. Open-ended questions <laughs> because. Because if you walk through my door and you say, I look at you and I see you got a dirty old jacket on, so I take you over to the jackets to sell you a jacket because I'm assuming that you want to replace that jacket, but really you're here for ball caps, I'd be kind of wasting your time. So you got to take the time to kind of get to know your guy um, or gal and find out what they're looking for. Like, like those open-ended questions, it's like anything you do in life. Like, like if your kid comes home and, uh, you know, they're f- three hours late of their curfew and you want to know what's been going on, you ask them open-ended questions and to find out what's been going on. Well, it's the same thing here. We have to ask the questions, hopefully, to try to find out exactly what you want to narrow down this big, massive amount of product that we can show you. 
And do you find that some people respond better in different ways? Like, like if they want just the pure salesman pitch, or maybe they want something more laid back and relaxed and just real off the cuff. Like, do you find a difference in, in that sometimes according to customer? Well, I think, uh, yeah, there's people that are in a hurry and they just want to get to it. Right. Hey, I need hats. Get me uh, I need like 500 hats. So that's the guy's pretty, Hey, get me hats. Right. But most of my guys are, you know, they like, they come in and they're looking for some knowledge to try to find out what they need or what they can buy or, or what's the best possible um, choice for their, the solution to what they're trying to solve. Um, you know, we get people that bring us in a jacket that's got some sewing issues. We, you know, we got all kinds of issues that come through the door that we try to solve. We get guys that come in here and they want to have something custom made. So we look at that, right? So, so really, you have to take time to get to know what people are trying to trying to achieve, you know. And also too, like you got to look at price points. You got to look at, hey, how much is your budget? Like budgets are very important, right? Like you need to know, hey, I, I've got a, I got two hundred dollars to spend, or I got eight hundred dollars to spend, or whatever, because because that can tell you, you know, what kind of products are we looking at, right? Like, uh, you know because I don't, I don't care if you got $200 to spend or a thousand dollars to spend, but if I'm going to show you something, I got to show you something that fits into your budget. You know, like you could go up in your budget, but if you can't, then, Hey, let's start with your budget pricing to find what you're looking for. And Hey, I can show you some other options, but, uh, but we try to try to help you out to what you got to spend and, and get you to where you need to go. So, uh, so you can afford it. So let's shift the coin a little bit here to something a little more negative, um, but also equally as important. You've heard of the term, I'm sure, a time or two in your career, the customer's always right. Yeah. How do you um, deal with a disgruntled customer and how important is it to maintain your professionalism? Well, you know what? A, a customer... A customer you know, always has their right to an opinion, right? The, the customer doesn't always have to be right. Like, like, like if a customer has an issue, you got to look at the issue, right? Like, like if there's a reason why something's happening, you try to get to the bottom of, Hey, like, what is the problem? Why, why is this customer upset? You know, it, it might be, it could be a whole bunch of different issues to what the problem is. And to be honest with you, you know, we've had this discussion here many times, like, like, if the customer screws something up or I screw something up, um, in the end, we're going to fix it to make the customer happy. So, so is there really a point of having a fight about it? Like, um, like oftentimes we might get something where, you know, a guy wanted a, you know, he gets, he gets 12 shirts and he, he decided after he got his 12 shirts that he thought the logo should be bigger. Okay. So, so what do you do about that? Right. If you, if you tell the guy, hey, the logo is going to be this big, you show him artwork and then he gets it and he doesn't like it because he took it to work and his boss looked at him and said, hey, man, that logo is too small. I don't like it. So now he comes back to me and says, hey, Sean, this logo is too small. Well, hey, you approved artwork. But you know what? I always talk to my guys about that. You know, we, we don't use the, hey, you approved that artwork because to be honest with you, that doesn't matter. Obviously, the customer didn't understand how big the logo was. So we're going to fix it. So what's the point in, you know, having an argument about, 
hey, you looked at that artwork and signed off on it. You're still not happy about it. So what, what we try to do is minimize issues before they happen. Issues, if they happen, then you got to handle them. You got to go straight at them. You got to, you can't run from them and you got to solve the issues. Um, you know, and, and, and you solve them to be fair. Like, like I put myself in other people's shoes. Like that's the way I look at things. Hey, if I was in that guy's shoes, what would I expect? You know, Hey, if, if I make a decision that somebody doesn't like, I look and I go, Hey, is that a fair decision? Like, like what I feel comfortable with that decision that that guy's making. And then I try to make the best possible solution, right? Um, you know, yelling and screaming, um, and fighting about stuff does nobody any good. At the end of the day, you got to try to come up with a solution. And, uh, and, and in the end, I don't really care whose fault it is. Like, like I can make as many mistakes as the next guy can make. So, so we have to deal with that sometimes, but, uh, but I've dealt with lots of issues in my life. And, uh, you know what, I try to make the best possible decisions, right? I guess it goes back to just taking like ego out of the equation for both sides and just kind of coming to some common ground where you guys can, you know, rectify the situation rather than say, Oh, it's his fault. No, it's your fault. Pointing fingers, you know, hundred percent. Like I, like, like, you know what, like, like I chase guys for, for invoicing that they owe us money for. Right. And I get guys that don't pay me for a year and I, and I, and I track them down and, and a guy will get mad at me for chasing him around. And, uh, and, and, and I'll say, Hey man, like, like I have to get paid within a reasonable amount of time. And they'll say, well, Hey, I, I haven't get paid by my customer. So why should I pay you? And I'm just like, well, Hey man, like, like I am, he's still my customer, but there is things that have to happen. Like, like to run a business effectively, I have to get paid. So, so in a case like that, I might put the gas on a guy. Like, like I have to get paid. And sometimes if a guy isn't paying me on time, yeah, like the, like the friendship's out the window. So that customer may never be coming back. Right. And that's my choice. So, so when I, when a relationship hits that, then yeah, then it's like, Hey man, sorry, there's the door. Right. Like, like there are, there are instances where we have fired customers over the year. It doesn't happen very often, but, but sometimes you just can't make people happy. Right. Like I get customers that come here because they've been fired by the guy down the road. Right. Um, you know, and, and then they tell me the story about how he won't do this and they won't do that. And it wasn't good enough. And you know, now they're at my place. Well, obviously I'm going to be very cautious with that customer because, because they obviously have expectations. And, you know, most of my competitors in the area, I know they work hard and try to make people happy. So, so if they're having problems, you know, I got to be cautious. So there's always red flags and we look at every situation. And like I say, if there's, you never want to lose a customer, but sometimes there's people out there you just can't make happy, but you try to, but you know, I try my best. And if I do my best and somebody's going to be unhappy, then there's nothing you can do. Right. So much like there's a blacklist for Hollywood and like the NHL and professional sports, I guess that kind of applies to, to the business world sometimes too, where you guys think, Oh, this guy might be trouble. We got to keep an eye on him. You know, like, you know, know, we don't have too many blacklist guys, but you know what, over the years, there's been a few and you know what, but very far and few between. And you know what? I just look him in the eye and say, listen, man, it's over. 
And they go, what do you mean it's over? I go, it's just, we're done. We're not shopping again. I'm firing you. And you know what? They're okay with it and I'm okay with it. You know, I still, if I see them at the golf course, if I see them downtown, I'm still very nice to them, but some people you just can't work with, you know, and, uh, that's okay. You know, it's not, it's not my fault that it's, that things don't work out all the time. Like maybe I'm tough to work. I don't know, but sometimes you don't jive. It's like a, like, who knows? It's like a bad girlfriend, right? It sometimes it doesn't work out. You don't know why it just didn't work out. You go your separate ways. (laughs) Yeah. Move on. Yeah. Never, never look back. That's my theory. You never look back. You move forward, right? That's a good, a good concept for sure. You know what? That concept's huge. You can't dwell on the past. You have to move forward. Look for the, look for the new horizon, the new customer, the, you know, you gotta have, you gotta have a real, uh, eye to the future. An eye to the future and a willingness to at least adapt and, 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 and self-reflect because if you don't self-reflect, you'll never grow. Well, I, th- I think looking in the mirror, like I always did a, I always tell this story about business, you know, when I was young, right. You know, I'd have these, I'd have these kids that worked for me, right. And they all liked to party. But when I was young and I started in business managing, I was probably 18. I got lucky and I got a managing job and I could go out and party and hang out with, uh, hang out with everybody and get to bed at 4am and have to be at work at 9am. And I was in the, I was in the, I had a retail store in the mall and, and, and the young guy that taught me business, Dave Richer, he was a super smart guy. And he always said, Sean, it's showtime. So, so, so the term was showtime. So I would go in the bathroom, I'd come in looking terrible all by myself at the shop. I'd go into the bathroom, I'd look in the mirror and I'd go, Sean, it's showtime. And when I come out of that bathroom, it was the lights were on, the curtains were open and it was showtime. And anybody that came in, I look at them. If they looked like they were half asleep or just rolled out of bed and weren't ready for work, I'd go, Hey, it's showtime. And that was our term. So, so showtime is very important in the world of business because, because really when you walk into a retail store or a, or a restaurant or a golf pro shop or a city office, the person you're talking to is really the entertainer and they have to create the show. And if the show blows, nobody's happy. So you got to remember that as a person working in those type of environments, you are the show and the talent. You got to bring it. That's a cool way to look at it. I like that. Yeah. And, and you know what? I've, I've lived with that my whole, my whole business career, right? It's showtime. When I, when I, when I go to meet a customer in his building and, I, and I'm pulling up and, uh, I look in my car mirror, I go, Hey, it's showtime. And that's, that's the whole premise of business. And, and you try to have that roll off of you and onto the people that work for you. And it does sometimes and it doesn't. And sometimes you got to look around and go, Hey man, I got up my game because you know, you're really the guy that sets the standards and if people aren't up to the standard that you want to set, then you need to look at yourself. And then, then after you set those standards, you got to look at the people that work below you, that they're, that they're working in that same kind of uh, energy and looking that way. It's little things like that that can really just give you the juice you need to 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 really drive the day home. Hundred percent. You, know? you need juice is a great word, like 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 juice, energy, um, drive. You know, 
you need to have something to make you better, different, more exciting than the other guy. You got to be dynamic. I love the word dynamic. You know, you, you see, you go to the golf course and you see some uh, new server there that just got their job and they're learning and they're nervous, but they're excited to be there. And you're going, holy cow, man, this, this, uh, this person's got some real energy. Um, you know, but you come back a month and a half later and they're down in the dumps where you go, Hey, what, what happened? You know, well, you got to look at what's going on within that system. Why, why aren't they, why don't they have that same energy and drive and dynamic feel to them anymore? And you want to figure that out, right? There's a lot of factors why that happens, but I, I like to, to brand the number one culprit with complacency. You know, when you're really excited, when you start a new job or you start a new adventure, you know, and things kind of wear on you after a while. Maybe, maybe you you see some uh, some roller coaster type action where it's up and down. That can have a, a wear on your soul a little bit. So you need to kind of uh, you know that's that's where your concept comes into play. Where maybe there's a new way to kind of recharge your battery a bit and, and breathe new life into yourself so that you can actually do do a better job like you did the first time. You know. Well, I think all you got to do is you got to go when you when you walk into a, like I always used to be able to walk down a mall. And I could walk over a lease line of a business. And within being in that business for 20 seconds, I could tell whether that business was clicking or not, whether it had a feel, whether it had an energy in it, um, you know, by the way the store looked or the way the, the salesperson said hello to you or just the way it was merchandised. You know, you, you could tell whether a business was clicking. And then, and then, by the way, if you went and talked to the manager, you had a pretty good idea on what kind of manager it was going to be because generally how the business world works is if you got a winner on top setting the, the, the examples and setting the, the bar to which all the people working for them live up to, you know, you, you have to have somebody setting the standards and if the standards are set high, generally your business will operate at a high level. If you have a, a, a person that's in charge that doesn't set high standards and doesn't live up to what you need to live up to for your people to see a great standard, um, then it's tougher to see if that business will be doing that well. It doesn't always mean that people have to have that person on top to set the standards because some of them do have their own standards within themselves. They know the showtime. They know what they need to do to come to a job and just do it, but often people need to have uh, some sort of a, a bar or a level which they need to operate at. And that's set generally by the person in charge. Mm. So you can usually get a pretty good idea how good of a manager they have by how the business is operating. So how, how important is accountability then? Well, I think accountability starts at the top. Like, like, like everybody has to be accountable, right? Um, for all aspects of business. Like, um, you know, something's not right. Um, people often run because nobody wants to get into trouble for problems, right? But, but I've learned over the years is I just put my hand up and say, hey, it's my fault. It's my business. So if somebody screws something up, it's me. You know, I got, I got 10 people working for me at any given time. And if something gets screwed up, uh, you know, the person's got a problem, doesn't want to hear it's Susie's fault. No, it's Sean's fault. So, so once you realize in the world of business that, um, all the issues are really the manager's fault from the top down. 
um, then you stop having to worry about, hey, who made the mistake? Because it doesn't matter who made the mistake. It all reflects on me as my business, right? So we can all try to look at who made the mistake, but it doesn't matter. In the end, it's me. I was watching, actually, I get on this huge binge every every odd year with uh, Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay. When he, when he goes to certain restaurants that are struggling and he just tries to turn them around within a week. Yeah. And you know how Ramsay is, right, with with his uh, his demeanor and yeah. getting angry all the time. It's awesome. I love it. Um, th- there's definitely a trend I see with a lot of businesses, um, especially ones that are struggling. They're A, in denial, and they don't want to admit their problems, essentially. They, they even have a false perception that what they do is actually good enough. And then Ramsey hammers it home. No, you guys suck. Like, you got to change this. It's just shit. It's, it's absolute shit, you know? <laughs> and, like, you know, it, they get taken aback by that. It's like, no, how could I be shit? Uh, then you get the odd person, though. Like, and you're mentioning how you, you know, hey, it's my fault. Like, you get the odd episode where you're really rooting for the owner because they're actually stand-up people. They know they have a problem, and they actually admit to their mistakes and things turn around much quicker after that with Ramsey and all those guys. And they usually nine times out of 10 turn the business around for that moment anyways. So it's just interesting to see the parallels with some people where they could be in pure denial and not want to admit they're wrong, but you'd really have to swallow that pride. Well, that used to be my job actually back in the, back in the nineties was, was my job was to go to stores that weren't achieving, um, what they should have been doing for sales and I would come walking through the door and my job was to find out what was going on. So they dropped me into the situation for a week and a half and I'd work with the manager and eventually we'd try to figure it out. But the problem with that job was is that people were calling me the executioner. So, <laughs> so everywhere I went, people didn't want to see me. They didn't like me, right? Because I was the bad, I was the bad news. Like, um, cause my job was to clean house, right? So, that's a tough job because you can go into any business and, and try to change the business and make it better. Um, I think sometimes you got to look at, Hey, you got to do the fundamentals, right? Like people have to be happy. They got to be looking good. They have to get to work on time. They have to care about what they're doing. They have to understand that sales and customers are very, very important to your business. Your next sale is your next lunch, basically, right? Um, when people get the basics right in business, you know, like, 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 then they can be at least successful. You're always going to find problems in a business. You can tear anybody down. But the trick is you want them to stay, learn how to run a business, be successful, and, and be able to go home at night and feel good about what they're doing. They're not stressed out. And, and a lot of businesses need support. Like a lot of, like a lot of husband and wives get into business. Um, you know, the husband's working a job or the wife's working a job. They're getting paid a decent salary and they open up a business on the side. So one of them goes to work every day at their little shop and they, they work by themselves all day long and the sales don't come. You know, they got to pay the rent. You know, they're, they're not doing what they thought they'd do. They're working really hard. And what ends up happening is they just don't have any support to help them learn how to run that business and be successful. They don't have anybody to talk to, essentially. That's where people can be very helpful to come along. If you can find somebody that could be a business buddy, 
you can find somebody in the same situation as you running a business. Maybe you meet with them for a coffee once a week and talk about the issues you're both having and how do you solve them. Um, you know, because small business, you know, and COVID was a real uh, impact on this. They need to have support. They need to have people to talk to. They need to have friends in business that can help them. The Chamber of Commerce is obviously a vehicle for that. Um, but, you know, there's lots of these little business groups where you get together with three or four people and you work together as, as friends and you try to help each other in each other's businesses. It's, it's really good to be able to talk to somebody and share their knowledge because often you're all having the same problems, right? But business, when you look at a business, it's, you know, I've always been lucky because the sales have been there. The hardest thing about business is you have to have sales because sales make the world go round. If you have sales, people coming through the front door and buying stuff, you can now make money and handle the sales. And that and that's when you get lots of sales, that's when the other business problem comes in is how do you make the sales get done properly, get the people pricing properly, deliver the goods properly, invoice properly, and make everybody happy properly. That That's when the big problems come in. But the hardest problem of all for a business is, hey, we got to get sales. Once you got sales coming through the door, at least you can make money. But some of these guys don't get the sales, and then the business is really a dud. Now they got to try to figure that out. So, so I see a lot of that stuff going on, and those are good people that just don't know how to solve the problems. So it's a lot of connecting the dots. Then we got to do this before we can do that. Essentially, hundred percent. You got to. I always tell the guys in this building, you know, you know, we're, we're all worried about finishing jobs super fast. And if a customer walks in the door and they're all looking at each other, hey, who's going to help that customer? I go, listen, you guys, that customer is our next sale. That's our next person that's going to pay our lunch for next week. So that person is far more important than doing a piece of embroidery. You know, whoever's in front of you in your business looking at you, they're the most important person. And I'll give you, and I'm going to give you an example of what I've seen actually. And people from Leduc might notice this because, um, you know, I, I've noticed, like, I'm not a big Tim Hortons guy, but, you know, that Tim Hortons has been downtown here in Leduc for years. You go in there, sometimes it's been a nightmare. Sometimes it's been a mess. Sometimes it's dirty. But it's always never been perfect. But I've gone in there the last probably, I don't know how many, maybe the last couple of months. And they've got a new manager there, I think. And I'll tell you, man, they they're doing such a good job at running their business right now. You walk in there, you got to line up, but they got a line for you. They help you out of the till. They got a couple of girls behind the counter. They're making sure that everything is organized and clean. Um, they're smiling. They're saying hi to you. You know, they have made such a difference. I think it's one of the best run Tim Hortons, I think, around uh, like McDonald's, Tim Hortons. These guys are all suffering sometimes on their on their organization. Um, but this, this Tim Hortons, I think they've really done a good job of turning it around. And, and last time I was in there, I was going to try to talk to the manager about that, that I've noticed a huge difference. The best I've ever seen there, in my opinion. Um, and when you see a business turn around like that, you know how much work and how much it's taken that person to turn around a business, the amount of work that takes to get the right people, to train them properly, to get them to understand what is important. That is not an easy task, and they have done that, which I'm impressed with. That's good. It's good feedback, too. Like, 
businesses need feedback. They need opinions. That's how you get better. Well, if you see a business make a difference and you can see the difference, take that manager aside and tell them you notice that because, because a lot of times those guys hear nothing but negative. And when, when you see a, a person running a business properly, um, you know, that's a big thing. Like you, you don't get that in a lot of places. You try to go places and get really good service these days. It doesn't happen very often. Um, and when you do, you know that the person that runs that business is probably running it in a really good way. Interesting, Sean. Well, really good talk today. Great talk today. I really enjoyed having you on here and uh, lots of insight. That's the number one thing here. We, we, we relay insight on this show. So if there's one thing I never expected to hear associated with you in, in, in regards to names and the many years I've known you, it's the executioner. So it's really funny to hear that today. <laughs> well, you know what? It, that was a job I had. And you know what? It was, it, it was a rewarding job. Because when you could go into a business and take a manager who just wanted to learn and, and, and then you came back a month later and their business had turned and, and you could see the success, the sales, the, the organization, the, the functioning of the business properly, it was a great job. But it was sometimes tough when you had to fire half the staff. So yeah, it was a tough job. It wasn't a job. I look back on those days and go, you know what, that was a tough job. The reason why I got it is because nobody else wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, Sean, thanks again for uh, coming on the show today. We'll have you on again to discuss new topics of business and, and whatnot. This is just like an endless uh, a rabbit hole we can go down. So. Yeah, thanks, Zane. You have a good day. Yeah, you too.